You know, it's funny that vulnerability is a powerful thing. Uh, it seems like a paradox because the world tells us that to hide your fears, mask your weakness, cover what you don't know will bring gain and power and worth. But the reality is that the most influential people are those willing to humble themselves and express their struggles um, because it speaks to our common experience. The interview you're about to hear is with someone who is willing to admit their brokenness and express a deep-rooted hope that brings lasting change. Uh, two things that we would request. If you like what you hear, please share. Uh, we do know that tons of people are going uh, through similar circumstances um, and have that uh, common experience with the interviewee. Um, also, consider supporting Fish Food so that we can continue providing consistent content. Go to www.fishfood.me or me and click support and it will carry you to a link where you can become a patron. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Hello folks, this is your host Corey Pelton and this is Fish Food, providing morsels of hope to a hungry world. If you're in leadership, it's not always easy. And if you're a people pleaser, and I am one, and I am, a, I am on an ongoing, progressively uh, working through that daily, uh, leadership is a challenge. Uh, it is hard to be a good leader if you like being liked. And I struggle. I, I hate disappointing people. On this episode of Fish Food, we welcome Chaz Morris. Chaz is the senior pastor at Grace Blue Ridge in Hendersonville, North Carolina. He is an excellent cook and a master beer brewer. Well, I'm sitting in the home of Chaz Morris. Chaz, thank you for, uh, for um, letting me into your front door after climbing the mountain. I'll have to call my mom and tell her, uh, I've made it. I'm on the Corey Pelton show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's just, just like, come back who? <laughs> Who's that? It's all saddled. This is the final thing that needed to happen. <laughs> uh, we, we've talked about this before. You know, I, I, I love the upstate of South Carolina, but, but driving up the mountain and crossing the border into North Carolina is just a, is a, is a release and a relieving thing. And, um, you know, driving up here, I was thinking, man, what cool names, you know, Tuxedo, <laughs> Flat Rock, Bat Cave. <laughs> Who would want to live in Bat Cave, North Carolina? Um, I want to live in Tigerville. In Tigerville? Okay, those no. are South Carolina. Just because of the name. <laughs> That's right. Cool. That's right. You must be a Clemson fan. No, I'm not. Clemson fan. Um, you have to say it right. I got I got rebuked in the pulpit the first time I ever said Clemson. That'll learn you. Yeah, yeah, I learned. Um, but, uh, love it here. You're in Hendersonville, um, pastoring at Grace Blue Ridge. Mm-hmm. How long have you been here? So, uh, almost 10 years in the area. Uh, I moved here, actually, I remember the day is August 15th, 2008, um, to begin an apprenticeship to possibly church plant. We felt very confident that would be uh, the case uh, with Grace Community Church, which is uh, in Mills River near the Asheville Airport, and um, and so we just you know came in just to learn and then begin to um, 
you know, work with a core group. And that did come to fruition uh, as we'd hoped. So we left a lot, you know, where I'm from in Orlando and um, some job security there. And um, this is my first ministry job, actually. I <laughs> might as well go to the deep end of the pool, man. Just church plant right out of seminary. Right first, first, first time collecting a paycheck for a church, you know, just wow. do it, go big or go home. But um, so, uh, and, and the church actually, we met as a core group uh, in the spring of 09. Uh, and then, um, and we, we launched in November of 09. So, uh, we're, we're coming, pretty coming up on a nine year anniversary of the church. It's right. the, the official launch. Right. So, That's really cool. Yeah. So, and you came into this position in a, in a pretty unique way. I mean, you alluded to, you had a, a lucrative job in, in Florida and you moved up here. It wasn't your typical church plant. Yeah, I would love to embellish and say I had a lucrative job. I think I had a job that I'll pay the bills, but let's let's say that. Um, but I, you know, I had a career in, in logistics uh, for about ten years, and that was my major. But I did feel calling for a long time in, in the ministry, uh, even when I was in college. I just wanted to be certain of it and just gain some work experience, and um, just was really blessed. The company really take, took care of me. I was able to actually go down to part-time status during seminary. So I paid for seminary right out of my pocket and, and no debt. Great. And wow. then um, the real blessing out of that is, so when I moved here, I actually was by vocation. I just worked remotely for them. And it was a great way, I think, to launch a church because one, it afforded me the opportunity to say, I can't do certain things. And so I think that, I think it raised up leadership early. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it just forced me to be a better leader. And then, uh, two, it helped financially because as soon as we got here, they were going to pull the plug in, uh, on all the church plants in October right. of 08 when everything crashed. Mm. So, um, you know, I really pressed them and just pushed and just asked and said, hey, guys, you know, I'll take as low as a page. You, you, we're, I'm here, you know, right. and I really feel called to do this. And I was really motivated and um, and so it worked out and then uh, was actually bivocational even during the early stages of church planning. Eventually... By two th- late 2010, I had to, the church was maybe about 150 people at that point. I had to right. pull out of that. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was giving everybody my best. So, right. um, but I'm, I, I love that. And I was terrible at raising money. So it worked out great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So your core group, um, uh, you mentioned that uh, it was a really good way to get them on board doing leadership early on because you had that job. Um, and couldn't couldn't spend the time doing that, um, and saw that as beneficial as a, as a good thing. On, on multiple levels, uh, but as well, I think even before I got there, that core group had already been meeting mm-hmm. before I was here, and I felt like that was a really good model because I was being invited into something that you know, and a, a vision that had already existed, but they needed someone to help steer the rudder and to devote the time to the preaching and shepherding and. Um, so I think that really helped. I think when you add all those things together, we have, I mean, we're in a real unique uh, situation where a lot of our core group members are still there. It, it, you know, some things like divorce and death and people moving mm-hmm. uh, have affected uh, that. But most of our core group that, that's in town is here, right. still with us, which we, I preached to everybody, said, hey, look around. I mean, it's going to be here in 10 years, you know, and because that's what I was told. But it's kind of worked out. And I think part of that is just we're in a small town and people believe in what we're doing and love the church. And That's cool. You know, it's really good. You know, you, 
I laugh because you, you have one of those personalities that can say things from up front uh, during, during worship, leading worship, that I could never get away with. I mean, there, there's some people that can just carry that off, that, that if I was, I would get in trouble. <laughs> and you can say things, and, 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 and people are like, oh, yeah, that's Chaz. <laughs> you know, I think, um, I think part of that is, um, you know, I was really influenced by Steve Brown when I was in seminary. He taught a, just a very practical class called Practical Theology, and it was just him telling Steve Brown stories. And just I'm laughing most every lecture but I think what I always remember him saying was a phrase, love covers a multitude of sins. And mm-hmm. um, what I, I think what happens is when you show up and you're there 10 minutes after someone's loved one has died and you cancel all your plans and you're there, and you're, and you're there three months later, and you're there six months later, years later, I think that gives you some ability to be, you know, to have some deference at times. Now, that doesn't mean people are like, hey, you crossed the line there. And I'm not... I've learned too, especially in early years, I think I purposely would just try to say things because I wanted to be someone who was known for being bold. I think I've gotten over that for the most part. But I think part of it too is just, I think because I'm very honest and from the pulpit, I think that disarms people in such a way where I haven't presented myself up so high that people are looking to make me fall. I think they know that I'm right there with them each week, my primary goal when I'm preaching is to be affected by the passage, you know, not just, you know, intellectually be able to communicate it with illustrations and metaphors and the great three points, but that I have been changed by it. And I don't always get there, but the, the best sermons, my favorite sermons are the ones when I'm there. And then when I'm preaching, I almost forget I'm there in a way. Right, it, it's the right. best feeling. I don't know. You know what that feels like where there's this blessed indifference to yourself. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm currently on sabbatical, so I'm kind of forgetting what that feels like. So I look forward to returning and hopefully having that experience again sure, soon. Sure. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I do think it, it uh, makes you uh, very approachable. Um, I know, you know, the, the times when I've been the most vulnerable from the pulpit are the times when people are like, man, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate yeah. that. And, and, um, uh, you know, grasp that more, more deeply. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of tension in that too. Like I have gravitated yeah. on both sides where I wasn't honest enough or too much. I mean, the pulpit's not the place for me to work out my issues. Right. You know, um, I don't want to make it about myself. I just, I want to give, uh, one of my mentors used to say, there's a difference between teaching from a blackboard or a window. And I, I'm, I try to teach from a window of just saying like, look, I am, I have some master of this text uh, because I've got to study it this week and have, uh, you know, master of divinity, but, but I'm struggling existentially. I'm personally, I'm trying to wrestle with repenting over the things that have come out, Yeah. you know, and um, you know, so I think it's easy for pastors to let their heart get cold. And I think that's the thing I'm trying to always fight the most for. And I think preaching is one of the things that's helped me, you know, is 20 hours, 25 hours a week, you're wrestling with something. You're like, wow, I'm, I got some blind spots here, you know? Right. So for the most part, I think, you know, we, there's always some <laughs> folks who don't like what you're doing up there, but sure. you know, that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not always easy though, is it? Pastoring. No, there are, um, you know, I, I, I would say it's just, if you're in leadership, it's not always easy. And if you're a people pleaser and I am one and I am, a, I am 
on an ongoing, progressively uh, working through that daily, uh, leadership is a challenge. Uh, it is hard to be a good leader if you like being liked, and I struggle. I, I hate disappointing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate when people are upset with me. It is, I f- sometimes feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience when someone is communicating their disappointment. Um, and, and I think I would maybe take it easier if I just didn't work so hard, but I'm a very conscientious worker, and I, I just really put my best into things, so I'm crushed. Um, but I also think those experiences over and over and over again, you know, almost 10 years now, it's like you're either going to get hard and cynical or you're going to begin to interface with your identity more, you know, and in Christ and, and just kind of seeing who he is over and over again, disappointing people, you know, not right. showing up on time, you know, Mary and Martha and John 11. And right. um, even his mother and brothers are like, hey, come get him. He needs to get out of this house, you know, <laughs> like you're supposed to be here. And, and, and I mean, I just that's what we've signed up for. But I it is a hard thing. And, and I think the sabbatical, it's funny, I'm friends with a lot of the ministers here in the local um, rector of the Episcopalian church. The day before I started sabbatical, I saw him at breakfast and we're in Rotary together. And he said, here's what you're going to love the most about (laughs) sabbatical. He said, you're going to love not having somebody you've disappointed, (laughs) you know? And I think that's true. And I do find some pain in that. I'm not going to lie. But I do think, leaning into that has helped. I think I am getting better at that. I think I'm getting a little more bold and I think I'm becoming a better leader, but mm-hmm. I still, it's, it's not very easy. I don't mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Yeah. If you felt like that you've disappointed somebody, where does your heart go? What is it? Oh, I mean, like? I have, yeah, I struggle with, um, I'm really hard on myself. I have a really, really critical inner voice, you know, that's sort of always saying, you know, it's a lot of self-doubt of like, well, I mean, I, it, it's got to be me, you know? Like, I, I, logically, when I counsel other people, I can easily say, hey, well, you're, you're taking, you're absorbing way too much of this here, you know? Um, and say, hey, they're bringing this into this equation, you know, into this relationship. They've, they're bringing their dad's baggage or this or their marriage issues. And that's why this is happening. But when it comes to myself, most of the time, I'm really quick to just point the finger only at myself because uh, I don't want to miss an opportunity. But sometimes it's almost like, am I too teachable? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, where it's so I think there's just a needed to, to gain wisdom, you know, when to, when to say, no, this is somebody who's who's got an agenda or this is somebody who's who's got a real critical spirit or maybe this is really good for them to leave the church because this may actually be more about them than me, you know? Right, right. Um, but Do you find yourself you always know. trying to balance that? Of going, uh, you know, just asking the question of what, you know, how much of it is me, how much is, is them, and never, not sure if you're clear yes. on it. I'm never certain, but I think that's the benefit of community, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I am really blessed. I, I have a great set of elders. I have great, they're great leaders, they're friends. Um, we rely on storytelling and part of our training, uh, where we, I mean, people are sharing their deepest, darkest stuff of their life, stuff they haven't even told their spouses in large part. So I know that's a weird way to start elder training, but, uh, what I found it, it just develops this trust and respect. And so I, I always feel like they have my back. So when they communicate to me, I don't feel devastated, you know, um, you know, when they're saying, Hey, actually we do see this, you know? 
So I can defer to them and, you know, other friends and things like that. And um, I have a great associate I work with. We have a fantastic relationship. Uh, and uh, he's actually a licensed counselor. And so I don't seek him for counseling, but, you know, just as my uh, coworker and late, we were doing this together, you know, he's really helpful to, you know, kind of help me see my stuff, but also other people's stuff. So I don't, I don't beat myself up as much. And there's a big difference between hearing uh, criticism from people that you trust and respect mm-hmm. and you've heard their stories than it is from somebody oh, off the street or out of the pew that mm-hmm. comes to you to point something out. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And I think there's this third group that's, you know, that's where it's t- tough is the, it's actually easier when you don't know the person because you can just say, like, I mean, I got this nasty email a couple months ago and I, I don't know if I ever talked to the person. I mean, I introduced myself to them. They'd been coming to the church maybe six times and let me know they're leaving because they think my preaching is so terrible or <laughs> whatever. And actually, I mean, it was almost laughable. I'm like, all right, whatever. Um, but uh, but when it's someone you know and you trust, then you you know it's very sobering, but you can listen. But when it's this third category where it's somebody you've spent time in pouring mm-hmm. into them and given to them, but it's been more of a one-sided relationship and then they up and leave over something and take shots at you on the way out, um, boy, it is hard for me not to get really resentful and bitter. Do you pull away? What's your go-to mechanism for um, when you feel the, the, the pain or the shame or the, um, of the, what's your go-to mechanism? I pray imprecatory psalms really loudly. <laughs> 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 I have recently with one person, but... Uh, you know, um, I think that's a real growth area where I have kind of escape pods where I just think of the future and I start thinking, okay, you know, my wife and I are saving for retirement pretty aggressively and uh, hey, sooner, if we cut back here, we maybe we can uh, shorten that timeline, you know, so if I could just make it 15 more years, I can retire at 55. And, and I think that's been the challenge of, of you know, um, going to those things now recently, um, and actually it was one of the things I'm working on in sabbaticals. I, I don't know if I'm going to do anything with it, but it started writing a book on, uh, how I feel like I've missed an opportunity with really unpacking glorification as this really potent and latent hope for my sanctification. And so let me put it this way, instead of just going, uh, in these escape moments where I'm just so tired and I'm angry and I'm like, you know, I want to quit my job or move to Colorado and live in a cabin by myself or, you know, uh, I think just understanding, uh, recently just thinking through that, like every story will be told rightly in, on the new heavens, new earth, that whether there is like sins I I need to repent of, or, uh, I didn't understand, you know, this side of heaven, I will understand it there. Like, you know, or maybe they will too, you know, and maybe these, you know, some people will understand like, hey, how I, they had hurt me. And, and, but I think the hope is, is saying like that relationship will not be hindered by communication issues, time issues, sin issues, background issues, fatigue, you know, it's just, it's th- that hope of knowing that every relationship is going to be perfect, mm. you know. Um, gives me a view today 
of saying, here, I can forgive this person, you know? Like, I mean, I am kind of grieving. I became really good friends with somebody who did leave the church um, because of a class we taught on the Enneagram. And, um, but I know I will spend eternity with this person. And, but that gives me hope to, what does it mean to reenter that relationship now? You know, even though I felt hurt, you know, and not heard, um, how can I, that future hope, affect my present today, you know? Right, right. And so that has been a big, big thing that I'm, I'm looking to press far more into that instead of my worldly pot, escape pods, if that makes right, sense. Right, So how, how do the book, because it sounds like the bookends, we've talked about this a little bit of, you know, we, we, we talk about going back to our justification mm-hmm. um, to propel our sanctification, meaning... We look back to what Christ has done, completed on our behalf, that he loves us as much today as he will ever love us, and we can't take that away. That's settled in heaven, his mm-hmm. righteousness on our behalf, and that actually um, feeds our growth in Christ, um, gives us confidence and growth in Christ. But what you're saying is that glorification is another bookend to that, mm-hmm. another piece of... Um, uh, of motive for growth in Christ, right? Yeah, I you know if you could like imagine the soul had two two fuel tanks. Mm. Uh, if you if you take away justification, it's like we're we're not running on any fuel whatsoever. And I think a lot of us have had that experience in sort of legalistic churches or moralistic churches that are not really preaching the gospel. But I think in the circles you and I swim in. Um, where we're really committed to preaching Christ as the motive and means for real change, I really feel like we have a hole in the sense that we're also not presenting glorification as a means for sanctification, the hope of it. You know, it's like Paul would come, comes across sometimes as insensitive where he's, he's just saying, you know, to all these people who are suffering, well, I, you know, our, our present glory outweighs our present troubles. Our future glory weighs, outweighs that. And that feels almost dismissive. But when you understand, like, that's presented as a real hope. Mm-hmm. It's a bit different. And so I think the traditional way for years, I would approach things like my issue with people pleasing, where I would say, well, my heavenly father's pleased with me. I just need to repent and have faith that he loves me. He's pleased with me because Jesus died for all my sins. And, you know, I just need to believe the gospel more. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying amen to that. Let's keep saying that. But I want to take it further and say, like, instead of just thinking of it there's almost like this fog in that that we need to get through of saying like, and as a result of that, one day I will stare face to face with Jesus Christ. And one day I'll be in a physically resurrected body and he'll be and he is in his physically resurrected body. And I'm gonna sit and eat food with him at this great feast. And then, you know, that feast is not gonna last forever. So so then what? You know? Well, maybe I'll get to go hiking with him, you know, in some mountain range that I couldn't do here on earth, but I could there. And I, I know that sounds really weird and a th- sort of like divorced from reality, but I'm saying it, we shouldn't let that be so divorced from our reality of like his well-pleasedness means like a, a kingdom I enter. And, 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 you know, you think about Philippians 3, 3.20, I think, where, you know, it's basically like we're considered a dual citizen today that we're right. like, you know, seated with him now in a weird way that's hard to articulate. And yet we're here, the now and not yet. And I just think the not yet is something I want to hit more in my own life in uh, with the congregation when I get back, um, teaching more about the kingdom that it's, I think we can get lost and, and Christianity can become about this sort of 
behavioral transformation program or sort of psycho self-analysis where we're always looking deep within what's my motive why am i sinning why am i letting this person affect me so much and that's helpful to be self-aware like that but sometimes it's like hey let's just we're getting a little too inward here like let's let's go serve the kingdom you know right and um and and so just thinking through that future glory really helps me today as opposed to just sort of saying well i just need to believe the gospel more yeah i do but i need to also believe the beautiful rewards and the implications that come with being a you know a gospel believer you right, know right that's really good thank you yeah i'm still trying to parse that out myself so sure you know. Sure. So it sounds like sabbatical has been pretty helpful. <laughs> it's been good. I've uh, been able to uh, go to a couple leadership conferences, uh, written a business plan for um, a nonprofit. The church is an endeavor. We're looking to start a spearhead. Um, and then obviously started writing a book. And I've gotten fun time with the family and just got to not have anybody disappointed with me. <laughs> got to run a lot. Got to go down to the upstate a lot. Run on the Swamp Rabbit in the middle of the week. Good. I still feel a little guilty. I'm like, oh, I mean, all these people think I'm a slacker running on a Wednesday afternoon. You know, I'm supposed to be at work. But no, or they're saying, I want his job. <laughs> there you go. That's, That's right. awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you've, you had a quote. I can't quote it because I, I don't have it with me about, because you're, you're, you've dreamed of being a pilot. But you said something in a text message the other day about your fear Um your your fear made you lose all knowledge or, mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a, that was a really mm-hmm. profound quote and good quote. T- tell me about, tell me about your, your dream of flying <laughs> and the other day. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, believe it's important and I haven't always done this to have hobbies. Um, I think, you know, I've been working almost 20 years now and you add up both secular and vocational ministry and, but I have, the last couple of years, really enjoyed, you know, having trying to have hobbies. And one of them is I make beer, and I really enjoy it. Um, but I also, recently, I thought, you know, why have I waited my whole life to, I've always wanted, you know, what I wanted to be growing up was an airline pilot, you know. And that daydream's always going to be there, I think. But I also uh, thought, you know, well, I mean, at least try to go up in the air. And... Uh, it's expensive, so I don't know how much more I'll be able to do it. But, mm-hmm. but I, you know, decided to go up for my second flight. The first one went great, but the second one, I just had such anxiety. That now, is this with another? This is with a certified flight instructor. Right. Yeah, gotcha. and everything I had listened to in podcast, everything that I had read in these books and had learned in my first lesson just was gone. And all I can think about is I don't want to be here right now. And I'm not cut out for this. And it's almost like the plane was flying great, but I was in a nosedive, you know, emotionally. I'm just like, what am I doing? Why did I, why am I wasting this money today? You know, like, and uh, I could be listening to Corey Pelton podcast right now, learning something <laughs> instead of I'm up here. But um, fish food is called fish food. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I, uh, I, I think for me, you know, that is sort of a bit of a microcosm of like the way self-doubt has always worked with me. I kind of remember uh, trying out for baseball and I'd made, you know, all-stars every year growing up in Little League, but then I tried for high school and I just got intimidated by guys I thought were better than me and I totally sandbagged, I think, on the third tryout. Like I was still progressing. I 
who knows how far I would have gone, but I was like, oh, I know eventually I won't make this, so like, I'm not going to give this my best. Because mm-hmm. like, I'd rather f- fail because I didn't try hard enough than f- actually put my whole self into this and, and fail, because that would be f- worse. And you know, I think that's something I've grown a lot from, but it's still, you know, there sometimes where, you know, that fear of failure. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you you talk about having hobbies um, and that being one of the hobbies at pursuing and beer brewing. And um, I think that's really healthy for pastors to have that. Um, And I think there's, you know, I've always kind of struggled with that because I've always had so many hobbies. My wife... She'll start referring to the conversation with somebody. She'll start, yeah, why don't you start naming your hobbies? And I just kind of <laughs> crumble because <laughs> too many of them. Um, and, and your perspective on ministry and, and hobbies, I think, is really healthy. And thinking through, you know, I could do something else someday. Mm-hmm. But the Lord's calling me to do this now, which mm-hmm. almost, it seems to energize you it does. for the present. It does. It does for me. Yeah. Where I just... I sort of feel more free to be, to do whatever God's will is, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, my worst fear not that long ago was like, what if God ever called me away from here? You know, cause I really love where I live. I love my church. Um, you know, I'm really grateful and blessed, but you know, I don't know what tomorrow brings. And I, I don't say that because I have a desire to leave ministry. I just, you know, I'm, I don't know this idea of how much longer, I mean, I'm 40, uh, you know, I'm, you know, my grandfather died when he was 42. My other one died when he was 72. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm in great shape and run a lot, but, you know, I just want to maximize my time here. And I think that's been awesome to think in those terms rather than just, I'm a pastor. This is hard. People are difficult. Sheep bite, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I'd rather just this idea of like, today's an opportunity to wake up, put a dent in the kingdom of darkness and inch forward the kingdom of light, you know? And I've literally, I mean, you think about the Lord's Prayer, it's like, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm waking up each morning sort of saying, like, why am I hedging my bets here that you may not come back today? Because it sounds so crazy, and we've seen all these weirdos put billboards up predicting, and which is kind of crazy because Jesus said he didn't even know when he's coming back. So I don't know how that works. But, uh, but I think we've gotten away from, you know, Philippians where it says we should eagerly await the return of Jesus Christ. And so I'm trying to wake up each morning praying like, Lord, let this be the day. But if not, what can I do to move your kingdom forward mm-hmm. and punch in a dent into the kingdom of darkness? Mm-hmm. And so whatever that means, you know, um, it's doing my job, but it's doing other things. It's obviously being a good dad, good husband, great neighbor. To, to neighbors and hey I'm brewing beer for a charity event next week and people are going to ask and then they're going to say what do you oh, you're a pastor I mean who knows what conversations can come from that and right. so just trying to be more cognizant that I'm on a mission and that feels so much more purposeful to me you know that's cool that's really good yeah I don't know if you remember and I can't remember her name um, <clears throat> it was about 2005 there was a guy escaped from jail in Atlanta Georgia and uh, he um, shot a bunch of people on his way out, and it, it was bad. And uh, this guy ended up in this woman's apartment. And she had heard about him on the news. I I'm, I'm wish I had prepared this before we got on. But, um, and sure enough, he was there. And, of course, you know, he tied her up, and she's thinking she's going to die. And this is about the time when Purpose Driven Life came out. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, and she 
read that book to him. And I don't know if you remember, uh, gosh, I wish I could remember her name, but he actually eventually, because of that, surrendered himself over. I mean, there could have been more people who died and he just didn't see like he could have this purpose in his next phase, you know? And I think sometimes we kind of like our circles sometimes are like, oh, well, that's just pragmatism, you know, all that stuff. That's rah, rah, you know, stuff. And But I think we, we lose sight of this kingdom is on the move and we're caught up in a mission and we need to wake up with purpose, you know? Otherwise, there's a lot of stuff that can just sort of every day feel like, wow, meaningless, 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 Ecclesiastes. But it's not that, you know, it's it's a fallen world, but we're promised that Jesus is going to redeem and restore every bit of this. Mm. There's not going to be one one molecule not altered and redeemed correctly, you know? Right, right. And I want to see that happen in my lifetime. And I'm just, I'm willing to look like a fool saying that and talk about that and having that kind of anticipation. Otherwise, I'm going to put my anticipation and hope in my retirement. Yeah. yeah. Boy, in that perspective, just, I mean, everything that you're saying about that purpose and glory and, and looking at the, the everyday uh, frustrations and struggles that we face, it really makes those things seem petty in comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're real and they're, they're hard. They're real. And, and we don't want to be dismissive. Right. But, um, it makes them, it, it lessens the, the, the power. I think it actually allows you, I mean, I think that's what Paul said. We are not like those who grieve without hope. Yeah. It's not like he's saying no grief, you know, because of our hope we don't grieve. He's saying, I, I think we have greater permission We have because we, we, we're not going to be sunk by it. I was um, at a conference earlier this year uh, in my sabbatical in April, and I went to the, um, oh goodness, in my mind is... The big, uh, it was in La La Land, you know what I'm talking about, you can see all of L.A., the uh, Griffith Observatory. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, just, and so I went inside and looked around, and it's just, you know, this guy started talking, uh, one of the persons who worked there, and just saying, there are 10 trillion galaxies. And, the, you know, and just, and then just looking, they had lined up just our, our solar system, you know, of which is just one star in this the Milky Way galaxy and who knows how many stars are in that, you know? Um, but it's just the guy who was traveling with me said, wow, that kind of puts things in perspective. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's interesting. I think we need that, you know, I think we need these kinds of perspectives. And I think that's what hobbies do of saying, you know, and having fun, you know, treating life a little bit more like an adventure, you know, and getting out and camping out and looking at the stars, you know, I think we need that, because uh, I get zapped in and into these vortexes and get sucked into things, and I'm a high feeler, highly emotional, um, you know, on the Myers Briggs, and so I feel intensely, you know. So I need, I need that, yeah. th- that perspective of like, okay, you know, hundred years from now, none of these people are going to be here either, you know. Right. Right. You know. Yeah. So this is um, end of May. Mm-hmm. You are off sabbatical when? I come back July first. July first, yeah, first Sunday. There. What's going to be different? You know, I'm. That's where I, I'm real cautious because you know how many times you're like, I am different. I am, <laughs> you know, like if I ever went back to that, I would be different. And what's that light walking into the? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Space? I mean, the Shekinah glory will be coming for me, but um, you know. I think one thing will be different is 
I'm a bit neurotic, you know, um, in the sense of like the amount of hours I work. Like I want to prove to people that like I am not wasting their time, you know, that investing in the church and our mission and having people on staff is well worth their money because we work really hard. And so I will do things like, you know, have a 13 hour day, like especially on the session night, you know, that's a, that's a 13, 14 hour business day. Well, then the next day I'll turn around and go, Tim, 11. I think what I would do different is I will, I will flex and I, you know, and I am going to just pace myself differently and say, look, I, I, this is not a sprint, you know? And, um, and if someone's disappointed or, you know, upset that I can't meet with them, I'm just going to have to deal with that, you know, cause you know, I need to pace myself a little bit better and I don't think I would be as resentful you know, at times if I wasn't doing that. I think the other thing too is I'm, I know one very practical thing is we're going to teach about the kingdom when I get back I'm going to do a whole series on the kingdom parables and then um, then move into the kingdom ethics into the beatitudes and, and tie it all together of saying like this is i think this series will probably be called kingdom life you know i'm just saying you know i've been hearing the gospel here i've been hearing a whole lot about justification let's talk about this and let's have some hope because hope is to be anchored into our soul you know according to hebrews and and hope is applicable you know like there's a whole i mean that's why i love shawshank so much shawshank redemption that movie is a is a thesis on hope between two characters you know red and andy and andy is the hope apologist in that story and he wins because i don't know if you remember the last line in that movie uh but you know in the morgan freeman voice he's like i hope the pacific ocean is as blue as i and i remember my dreams and and then the last thing he says i hope and the last words in that movie is i hope and and that's from red who originally dressed andy down you know and told him hope was a dangerous thing you know now you listen to me hope is a dangerous thing and i think that we as christians like we were built for hope of course we're gonna if we don't put our hope in Jesus said, you know, storing up treasures in heaven, then we're going to put it on earth. And then when people say, hey, why aren't you tithing? We're going to feel really crappy and guilty and then we're going to shame ourselves and then we're not going to do it. But if we understand, hey, like there is, this is a logical choice here. You know, like it is better to store up something that's going to last forever. That's why I can invest my time and money to people that aren't going to really give it back. You know, that's a, that's a greater motive for me to, to really yeah. give myself fully to him and you know I, I just you see Jesus say these things over and over again you know the rich young ruler as soon as he walks away I think Peter you know says like wow well, who can be saved which I just love Peter I just I'd like thank you for asking that that's what I want to ask and I, you know it's just like thank you and then uh, you know he's, I think Jesus said you know uh, with man this is impossible with God all things are possible but then I love that Peter next says you know yeah but we've left you know essentially a lot to follow you jesus and and i love that jesus is not put off by that question he says you know he who gave up you know family uh friends farm whatever you know will receive a hundred times as much in the next life you know and i so i think we're that's that's worthy to keep unpacking of like jesus it's not a, a virtue just to be like well i don't need that because i just love jesus so much i mean that's not how he framed it you know, he, he gives us this as, as a hope, you know, to enjoy the kingdom he's prepared for us. Man, back to glory. Back to glory, back to 
co-reigning co as vice regents at, that Adam and Eve didn't do well at, but we get to do that job forever and more, you know, and yeah. without messing up, <laughs> without messing up, and uh, you know, I didn't go swim and not worry about sharks either. Yeah. You know, that's always been an that's issue. Important. <laughs> yeah, Chaz, thank you. Mm -hmm, you're welcome. Excellent. Did you get saved? Just prayed the prayer good. in my heart. Good. It's good to know. <laughs> it's good to know. I think I did too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fish Food. Two things to remember, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends. Also, consider supporting Fish Food so that we can continue providing consistent content. Simply go to www.fishfood.me or me and click support. That will take you to a link so that you can become a patron. And again, thank you for the support.